We've been walking through the parables, and today's is one that is really interesting. Jesus tells these stories, and we're going to be in Matthew 25, and so if you want to find your way there, uh, we'll get there in just a second. But sort of to launch our discussion today, let's talk about this. Um, We have this tendency, some of us do, maybe lots of us do, that we think we can finesse our way out of situations. That if we're uh, articulate enough and if we use the right combination of words, that we can get out of situations. And so I I began to think about, okay, when do we do that the most often? And I thought, you know, sometimes if you get pulled over, people will try to talk themselves out of a ticket. And we just so happen to have an officer in our church. And so I did a little interview with him to find out which are the best excuses to get out of a speeding ticket. Watch this. We're here with Britt Brickland, who is a police officer. How long have you been a police officer? total of seven and a half years so far. Seven and a half years. Did you ever do, like, patrol where you pull people over for speeding? Yes, sir. State trooper for six years. Great. Okay, this is what I want to ask you. I've come up with some, what I think are surefire excuses to get out of a speeding ticket. Okay. I would like your reaction to these. Not for myself, of course, but I know... In the audience, we have people that occasionally skirt the law and go a a wee bit too fast. So, I want you to put yourself, you've just come up to the car, and I've rolled down my window, and this is what I'm going to say to you, and you tell me if it'll work. Okay. Okay, I've got about ten. All right, you ready? All right. Uh, You've heard this one, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sorry, officer, my speedometer must be broken. How does that go over for you? Here's a ticket for uh, improper vehicle being on the runway. Oh, that's not a good one. Okay, that, that one's not good. Okay, okay. All right, this is a good one. Uh, officer, how fast was I going? And then you would say 10 over, and I'm say, I, I would say this. This is, what I, this is my excuse. I didn't see the sign. Is it new? <laughs> won't work. <laughs> that won't work. Okay. Oh, okay. This one's a, you're going to say no ticket. Um, Mr. Officer, I'm scheduled to conduct a funeral and I'm afraid I'm going to be late. Where's the I've got my going? Bible right there. What? Where's the body going to be going? Uh, in the grave. Um, so he's going to be there when you get there. You're hard. Okay, <laughs> alright. Oh, 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 oh. Officer, I've just come from church and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. How's that go for you? <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Are you giving me, you're, you're letting me off on that one. How fast over are we going? Uh, well, it would be me, so two miles. Two miles? That'd just be... What about 20? 20 over, but I've got the Holy Spirit. 20 over, you're going to jail. Oh. <laughs> oh God. Okay, no 20 over. That's good to know. Um, oh, oh. <clears throat> I'm sorry, officer. I'm heading to the soup kitchen to feed the homeless. Dude, the homeless. No, that won't work. That won't work. Okay. Oh, this is a great one. I heard this one Sunday, by the way. Oh, gosh. I had a huge spider on my window, and I was hoping to blow it off if I went fast enough. No. No. Um, Oh, ah, guaranteed. I just waxed my car, and it was cutting through the air a little quicker than I expected. I just waxed my car. (laughs) That's not good. Oh, 100% guarantee you're going to field me on this one. I had Taco Bell for lunch, and, well, you know. Um, 
I'd laugh, and if you're not going where I'd arrest you, you'd probably get a warning anyway. Oh, Taco Bell works. Okay, Taco Bell. Okay, this is this is this is my favorite. Um, would Mr. Jackson change your mind? And then I pull out a twenty. How does that go over for you? Go to jail. <laughs> no twenties. My favorite. This is the last one. My good friend, Officer Brooklyn, said if I ever get stopped, he would take care of my ticket. So why don't we just cut out the middleman? Yeah, no. But my good friend, Officer Brooklyn, said that he would take care of my ticket. That's you. You're Officer Brooklyn. You could take care of my ticket. So the only hope I have is if you pull me over and I do the Taco Bell. Well, what I would set about the 20 over is if I, if I wasn't going to sit there and have a reason to take somebody to jail most of the time? Yes. I cut him a warning. Oh, you're a nice police officer. So, if I have a Taco Bell wrapper always in my car, that's going to help me. I would say more along the lines as long as you're not doing something at the criminal level of speeding, you're probably going to be better off. So, so the message is don't speed. <laughs> okay. Don't Perfect. speed, don't drink and drive. <laughs> don't drink and drive, don't speed. These are This is our message for the day. <laughs> so the whole point of, the, of what we're talking about is um, we think sometimes we can talk our way out of things, but it really doesn't always work out the way we think. Most of the time it won't. Thank you. All right, so, yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's up for an Academy Award, uh, so pretty good acting right there. So there are, there are these uh, sobering verses in Scripture. Let me show you one after we've been laughing. Let me show you something else. Christ will judge each of us for the good or the bad that we do. And there is this concept, and Jesus, we like to think about the, the loving, gracious side of Jesus, but he's also just and he's also holy, and we have to give an accounting for our lives. And so one day Jesus is talking about this. And this is a truth that we might not like to think about. I was talking to a guy just a little while ago and he had a diagnosis and it wasn't the you know, most positive thing. But he said to me, he said, I told the doctor, please just tell me the truth. All right, so Jesus is going to tell us the truth today. And he talks, he, he has these stories. These stories are amazing. I love the way Jesus brings out uh, these truths in a story. And so let me show you a couple of things about this particular story. Um, it's, about, it's called the, the, the parable of the talents. Let's, go in, let's just jump in. God is the Lord of the gift. And look what it says here. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. All right, time out just for a second. When Jesus tells this story, it's to people who are wildly poor. For the most part, these people live day to day. They don't know where their next meal is coming from. Now, you understand, there weren't big corporations that had you know, lots of, of money. There, there were a few people, very few people, who had lots of money, who were landowners, and they might have servants who worked for them. And so... The, the audience that Jesus is talking to would understand what it's like to be extremely, wildly poor. 
And so Jesus begins a story that would have captured their attention immediately. There's this landowner, which means he's wealthy. This wealthy landowner brings in his servants and he says, I'm going to entrust you, uh, entrust with you some of my wealth. That never happened, and yet it's going to happen. And Jesus' audience's ears would have perked up. And he said, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, to another one bag. Your translation might say talent. Talent is a word uh, they're translating in here as a bag of gold. Each according to his ability. And then he went on a journey. Now, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You hardly ever, I mean, people like that, servants like that, hardly ever got an opportunity like this. And a bag of gold would have consisted of, it depends on who you read, but between 15 and 20 years wage. I mean, think about that. If you're a person who lives day to day, having a month's worth of wage in reserve would be amazing. Six months would be spectacular. A year would be phenomenal. So one bag of gold, let's say it's 20 years wage, would have been beyond their wildest dreams. They could have never even imagined it. And implied here is this idea that if you do well in investing my funds, there will be some, some measure of profit sharing that goes on. Uh, we're going we're gonna to share in the profits. If you do well, then you get to reap some reward for doing well with what I give you. And the audience would have gone crazy. This was a super exciting story. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. That's why it says, the man who received five bags of gold went at once because these opportunities don't come along every day. And so he jumps up and he goes and he wants to see about what he can do with this money immediately. Now, these parables, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God all the time through story. A lot of times it's through a banquet story. Like, like when we get to heaven, it's going to be a big party. It's kind of well, the way uh, Jesus tells this. Now this particular story is also about the kingdom of God. Understand again the audience. You have to get your, put yourself in the audience's place. You have Jewish people who thought they were, and they were, the chosen people of God. But they were very exclusive in this regard. They thought they were the chosen people of God, and only they were the chosen people of God. Even though way back in Genesis, God said, I'm going to bless you so you can bless others. They didn't always get that. And so they sort of thought, hey, it's just for the Jews. Salvation is just for the Jews. And then this thing happens. Jesus uh, is crucified and resurrected, and now all of a sudden, Gentiles, people not Jewish, begin to believe in Jesus and start coming into the church. The book of Acts talks about this. So you know how this works, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are biographies of Jesus. So it's Jesus' life. And Acts is sort of this bridge between Jesus' life and the church. And Acts is the, the book of the Bible that talks about the inauguration of the church. It, it's a big, big deal. And so the first half of the book of Acts, sort of Simon Peter is the main character. And... Um, he, he began, they begin the churches with Jewish people who convert to Christianity. And then Christianity begins to bleed over into the Gentile world. And, and Simon Peter's part of that. And so there's this one occasion where he has this vision, and he goes to somebody's house, and he tells them, so he's Gentiles, he tells them about what it's like to follow Christ, and they become followers of Jesus. And he comes back to Jerusalem, and he reports it, and the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, don't like it very much, and they kind of question him about it. 
hey, dude, what did you do? Why did you go there? What happened? And so this is what Peter says. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as they'd come on us, as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord said to John. I said, by the way, John baptized with water, you, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? I was there, the Holy Spirit came on these folks, what am I supposed to do? They became Christians, I couldn't stop it, is kind of what he says. And, and look at their response. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, well, I guess... Even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Like, man, anybody can get in. And with Jesus, anybody was getting in. And when you read the Gospels that talk about Jesus' life, you'll see that Jesus hung out with people and people were attracted to Jesus that the, the religious elite didn't like. Prostitutes, tax collectors. Jesus even has a tax collector as one of his disciples. And so everybody's coming to Jesus. And the point is, anybody can come into the kingdom of God. And so, uh, one guy gets five bags of gold, one guy gets three bags of gold, or two bags of gold. And, and here's what you have to understand. You have to think through this. Our Heavenly Father has invested in each one of us something. Maybe some things. It, it could be your mind, your body, your abilities, your thoughts, your gifting, we all have spiritual gifts. I did a spiritual gift inventory a while back, and, and I have the gift of hospitality and leadership and, and teaching, and those are, yours are different than mine. I mean, you, you might have the same ones, but you might have different ones. But God has gifted everyone with something, which is the second point of this story that Jesus tells. See, there are no zero-talent people. The man who would receive five gifts of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, super interesting here. Everybody got something. Some people got, one, one guy got more than the other, but everybody got something. Now, if you're the one bag of gold guy, it would be really easy to say, well, why didn't I get two bags of gold? Or why didn't I get five bags of gold? Because our natural inclination is to compare. We compare all the time. You compare, you know, that guy has better hair than me. Uh, uh, she's got a better figure than I do. Uh, they've got a better house than we do. Uh, it's always about, hey, th there's somebody to compare. And if you want to play that game, there's always somebody that's got more than you do. And if we're not careful... We start to wish that we had that life. Man, I wish I had you know, th that occupation. I wish I had that house. I wish I could drive that car. I wish I had that bank account. I wish I had those talents. I wish I had those looks. And it's a dangerous game to play. Because we should be appreciative of what God has given us. In fact, we have to ruthlessly refuse to compare gifts. Because if we don't, we spend our lives wishing for something that we don't have and wasting what we do have. We're wishing and wasting. It is a horrible way to live your life. 
And here's what I know about God. He entrusted to you the very things you need to accomplish the goal He has for you. He's given you all the resources you need to accomplish what He wants you to do. Our focus can't be on everybody else. Our focus has to be on what does God have for me. Because at the end of the day, and this is super important, at the end of the day, the Lord will not ask you to live somebody else's life. He's not going to hold you accountable for somebody else's life. I'm the father of four daughters and I love them wildly. But I'm not responsible for the lives they live. I'm responsible to be a good dad. I'm responsible to be a good, you know, to father them well, to lead them well. While they're under my roof, I'm responsible to teach them and guide them. But when they get out of my house, they are, it's their, their own responsibility. I am not accountable. I'm not accountable for your lives. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Uh, as your pastor. Um, as your pastor. I mean, I, I'm here to help you and, and guide you and do everything I can for you. But in the end of the day, you can't say, well, Pastor Joseph was horrible. You can say that. Uh, but, but you shouldn't, uh, number one. That wouldn't be nice. And, uh, uh, but, but you have to be accountable for yourself. At the end of the day, God will hold you accountable for you, for what he's given to you. What have you done with the stuff he gave you? Now, third thing. We're accountable to use what God has given us. He gives us stuff to use, not to dig a hole and put it in the ground. He gives us stuff to use. So, after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the Jewish people, they loved the settled account. They loved it. Think about it. Jesus is teaching this to Jewish people who live in Israel and they are occupied by the Romans who were brutal and cruel. And, I mean, have you ever been bullied and you want somebody to get theirs? This is the way the Jewish mind worked. These people have oppressed us. They've depressed us. They've subjugated us. They have treated us unkindly. They are horrible to us. We have a land that we can't even do what we want to do in because we are occupied by the Romans. And the notion that someday God is going to settle accounts is very appealing if you're being put upon, if you're being bullied. I mean, how many of us will see a political figure and they'll get away with something and it's like, ah! And, and the, but the thought of, oh, someday... They're going to stand before God. How many of you ever said that? It's like somebody did something like, well, someday they'll have to give an account for their lives. I, I think it all the time. One of my favorite stories is about these three folks. Uh, one's a doctor, one's a nurse, one's a hospital administrator, and they all die at the same time. And they uh, meet St. Peter at the pearly gates, and St. Peter is interviewing them to see if they should get into heaven or not. And he talks to the doctor, and he says, Doctor, tell me why I should let you into heaven. Doesn't work like this, by the way, but this is the story. And the doctor says, Well, I tried to do the very best I can with what I was given. I used my medical expertise. I couldn't save everybody, but I did save some, and I did the best I could with what I had. And St. Peter says, Okay, then you get to get in. Then there's a nurse. The nurse comes up and he says, Why should I let you into heaven? And she says, Well, I had to deal with doctors, they're not always easy. 
They're very stressed, you know, it's kind of tough. And so I try to always be patient with not just the doctors, but also uh, with the patients. And I tried to help them. And I went over and above, and I did the very best with what my, I had, my training and everything. I, I, you know, I didn't save everybody, but I tried to save as many people, and I wanted folks to feel welcomed, and I wanted them to feel like they could get better. I did my very best with what I had. And St. Peter said, okay, then you can come into heaven. Then the hospital administrator came in. Uh, anybody ever been frustrated with medical care? Uh, the hospital administrator came in and, and uh, St. Peter said, okay, well, tell me why you should get into heaven. And the hospital administrator said, well, you know, um, there's a lot of bureaucracy out there, a lot of regulations and rules, and I had to kind of navigate all that. And, and my task was to make as much money for the hospital as I could. And so I did that to the very best of my ability. And St. Peter said, okay, you can come into heaven. But only for two days and you're out of pocket. It's going to be $12,000. So, uh, we like the notion of other people's accounts being settled. (laughs) The people we don't like mostly. Oh, I look forward to those accounts being settled. The guy that doesn't use his blinker and drives in the left lane. We all want them to have their accounts settled, you know. Uh, We'd like it to happen immediately, honestly. Uh, How how many of you have prayed, don't raise your hands, but how many of you, this is a rhetorical question, how many of you have prayed for a a police officer to be in the median when somebody is driving in the left lane slow? I mean, I I pray for that. I pray in the love of Jesus uh, because I want them to be, I want them to be better. Uh, So it's it's in the love, in the spirit of of the Lord that I do that. We, We like the notion of a settled account. And so, uh, this landowner, this master, he comes back to settle accounts. And it's serious business. And look what happens. The man who had received five bags of gold brought five more. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then, the man who had two bags of gold came in. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And I want you to note something that's really important in these two, this part of the story, these two people. They had both been given different gifts, but they both received the same reward. They had different outcomes. One guy gained five bags of gold. The other guy only gained two. Yet the reward was exactly the same. Here's the point. We're not accountable to live somebody else's life. You're accountable to live your life. And the guy with five bags, he did great. He he got five more. The guy with two bags, he got two more. This was, and they got the same reward because they did the best with what they had. And then the story, as it, often does with Jesus. It turns. Honestly, it gets a little dark here because he encounters the guy who had one bag of gold. Then the one who had received one talent or one bag of gold also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Let me translate this. It's your fault I didn't do anything with the stuff you gave me. I mean, it's your fault. Now, 
if you're a one-talent person, it's easy to think, well, I don't have five, I don't have two. He's not responsible for five or two. He's just responsible for one. But he shifts the blame. The blame can't be on him, so he's going to blame the other guy. And here's what's fascinating to me. The, the master doesn't say, oh, dude, I hurt your feelings. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. I, I hurt your feelings. I didn't mean to bring up uh, these uh, emotions. I, I just wanted to, to uh, I, I want to spare you pain. See, so many people think grace is the idea that God wants to spare our pain. Grace is about God telling us the truth. He'll tell us the truth. And so the master goes on. Jesus says, uh, the master replied, you wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that I harvest where I do not, uh, have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. He doesn't even deny it. Uh, scholars are sort of like, they're confused by this. They're, they're like, why didn't the master say, well, I don't do that. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, okay, well, if you knew that, if you think I'm harsh, why would you bury the talent that I gave you? Why would you just bury it? If you think this of me, he doesn't say it's true or not true. He's just saying, look, if you think this, why don't you do something with what I gave you? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. You had options, but you didn't employ. You had opportunities that you didn't take. I gave you this great gift, and at the least, you should have at least, at least invested in the bank. Because you're not going to be able to finesse your way out of taking responsibility for your life, which is exactly what this guy tries to do. We live and serve a master who has high expectations for you. As a father... With daughters, I have high expectations for them. When they lived with us, we demanded certain things. This is the way you talk. This is the way you act. This is the way you live. We have a certain way of, of life. We, call, we would say, that's not the way vests do things. We, we have a, a way. We don't do that. We don't talk like that. We don't say that. You know, when kids are saying, I hate you and all that. I hate you and sisters are, you know, sisters are sisters and one would say i hate you and miriam would say we don't talk like that that's not how we don't do that it, it was like she said it in such a way it was like i'm never saying hate uh, you know uh she she put the hammer it's like oh i'm never saying it. it's like i almost one time said uh, i hate this cinnamon roll it's like uh, uh, uh no no miriam Woo. we don't act like that it's not how we behave our master has High expectations. And isn't that what you want for your life? Don't you want your heavenly father to expect much of you? He, he entrusted you with these things. He cares so much about you. That he's given you this life of yours. Think about the gifts you've been given. Your health, your family. You get to live in America. You have freedoms that... Many people on this planet will never experience. Think about that just for a second. And you did nothing to deserve it. I had no say in where I was born. I had no say. Now, uh, I'm a five-talent guy because I got to be born in Kentucky. Uh, but uh, y'all are probably two-talent people. I mean, here in South Carolina, it's okay. It's okay. 
Good for you. Uh, you know, uh, don't be jealous uh, of us Kentucky people. It's all right. It's okay. We, you've been given these gifts, and there's an expectation. Now, that's kind of the scary part. Okay, I've been given stuff, I've been given talent and that kind of thing, and now there's a high expectation for me, and I'm accountable. That's the bad news. Let me give you the good news, because this is really, really good news. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Let me get to the good news in just a second. He uses this language, super interesting, wicked and lazy servant. That's not really the language that we use very often. It's language of, um, I mean, like if you're being interviewed, when you, if you're being interviewed for a job, you don't, nobody ever says, well, I'm kind of lazy. What, what is your flaw? What's, what's, what's your one flaw? I work too hard. You know, uh, I'm too dedicated. You know, nobody says, well, I can eat bonbons and watch Seinfeld reruns all day. I mean, nobody ever says that. And yet Jesus uses this language, you wicked, lazy servant. What's super interesting about this? You, you all know there's the Bible, the, the 66 books that made it in the Bible. But there were other books that didn't make it in. Did you all know that? There, there are some that didn't quite make it. There's one book called, um, it's called The Gospel of the Nazarene. And this story is included, but the author didn't like the ending, so he changed it. Uh, by the way, really not a good idea with Scripture. You don't, you don't, don't want to do that. And so this is what he says. And the third servant squandered his money on harlots and flute players. <laughs> like, that's the two worst things you could hang out, you know. Uh, what are you? Well, I'm a harlot. Uh, I'm a flute player. Oh, um. See, the early church couldn't get their minds around this. It's like the guy didn't do anything wrong. That's the point. He wasn't, he wasn't in trouble because he did something wrong. He was in trouble because he didn't do anything. He didn't do the wrong thing. He did no thing. That's the point. And so uh, the authors are like, hey, uh, if you just if you just use what God has given you selfishly, or if you just use what God has given you, uh, or, or don't use it at all, well, then there's trouble. And the question really is this. What is the Lord of the gift given to you that you need to be investing in the kingdom? Maybe you haven't done anything for the kingdom until today. All right? So today you start. If you've been, you might be looking at yourself going, I don't have anything to offer. It's not true. Because God has given the ability for every one of us to be kind. God has given the ability for every one of us to be loving to show compassion, to tell the truth, speak the truth in love. God has given all of us those abilities. Nobody can say, I don't have any gifts at all. Maybe your gift is your mind. God has given you this mind. And, and a mind can do lots of things. You can focus on many things. You can focus on uh, being jealous or greedy or angry. Some people are like that. I, I love this verse. We take every thought captive. So maybe I have an inclination to be greedy and jealous and angry. I don't have to focus. I don't have to dwell there. I can, I can shift my thought process. I can take captive every thought. 
Maybe the gift is God, God has given you is stuff. You've got things and you've been kind of using them all for yourself. Well, maybe those resources could be used to help other people. You can change. There's accountability coming. You might want to think about it. Maybe it's your time or your talent. Every one of us can live a life where we get up, go to work, come home, eat supper, watch television, go to bed, get up, go to work, come home, eat supper, watch television, go to bed, get up. We, we all can live that life. Every one of us can live that life. That life is the buried talent in the ground life. Never accomplishes anything, never prays for anybody, never does anything for anybody, never helps anyone, never serves the Lord in any way. Jesus' audience would have lived hand to mouth. They would have had literally nothing. We, we can't, none of us can say that. Everyone there could say, well, we don't have anything to offer. You might think, I don't have much. Okay. You don't have much says who. You're dealing with a master who takes five loaves and two fish and feeds thousands of people. He takes ordinary water and he makes it into wine. Your little ordinary life in the hands of a master becomes a masterpiece. To anyone who says, I don't have much to offer, I say, Peshaw. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded really cool. Peshaw in my mind. I was like, Peshaw. I've never said it before. Peshaw. That was from Jesus. Uh, uh, Peshaw. Anybody who doesn't think they have something to offer, well, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All right, good news. The Lord of the gift is also the Lord of the lavish reward. Woo, this is great. To everybody who did something with what they had been given, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he says this crazy thing. You have been faithful with a few things. They're talking about millions of dollars to people who barely can scrape by a living. And God calls it, Jesus calls it, a few things. And then he says this, I'll put you in charge of many things. Well, his audience would have thought, well, he's already been in charge of many things. Five bags of gold, two bags of gold, a bag of gold. Good grief. We, they would never have that opportunity. You see, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God in this language. And... Um, so John, John wrote, wrote the book of Revelation. If you've read Revelation, so it's hard. There's a lot of symbolism. But he tries to describe what heaven is like. And he uses this kind of language. The walls were made of jasper. The city was made of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stones, rubies and emeralds and diamonds. The street of the city was of gold. The street was made of gold. And we think, wow, what opulence. It's not the point. The things that we treasure are, are pavements. Uh, John is saying, look, we've got, you focus on these things that we think imply uh, greatness, 
And in the heaven, in the heavens, in the heavenly realm, uh, they're just, they're, they're so, they're nothing. They're foundation stones. They're not on rings, they're on the foundation of a building. It's not something you make a necklace out of, it's a street pavement. Heaven is different. And then we think, okay, well, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to float on a fluffy cloud and play a harp all the time. And that's not what Jesus says either. Jesus says to the one who overcomes, I'll grant you the, the right to sit with me on my throne. We get to make decisions. We get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's really amazing. There's a guy by the name of Paul. I'm going to end with this. A couple of verses. Paul was this great follower of Christ. He suffered for Jesus. He did lots of things. Uh, I can't imagine what his reception would have been like when he got to heaven. But one time he writes to his friends in a a town called uh, Ephesus, and, and he writes this. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. You get to choose. I can live unwisely or I can live wisely. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And it begs the question, what's the Lord's will? Glad you ask. Paul would say, glad you ask. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to wild living. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with the spirits. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Hey, uh, find the joy in life. And always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. Find joy in life. Be thankful. When you do that, when you do those things, you can be sure that you're not going to waste the one and only life that God's given you. Because the message today Jesus was saying is don't waste your one and only life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for... Uh, these words of encouragement to us that you have given us, all of us, so many gifts. We're thankful for that and we pray, God, that we would use what you've given us to serve you and the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.